the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, that she came to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it's interesting because the scriptures give examples of, you know, Paul praying in Philippians 1.22 or the author of Hebrews praying in Hebrews 13.19 that God would, you know, restore them to fellowship with one another, him with the brethren that he's speaking to, and they create, cause divine appointments in that regard. God often bring, brings divine appointments that he orchestrates throughout the scripture uh, whereby he brings evangelists, he brings those who would preach the word to the lost. And he wants us to preach the gospel to the lost, and he wants us to reach people. And we have that scripture that says, we have not because we ask not. And I believe there would be far more divine appointments in our lives if we would simply pray, if we'd simply ask, if we simply cry out to God. And I said a few weeks ago, if you cry out to the Lord to be used by him and you're seeking him, watch out, man. The floodgates will open. All of a sudden you'll be, have people in your life that are, you know, engaging you and you'll be like, you'll see the divine hand of God. And that's amazing to me because to me there's, I don't know of anything really much more exciting than when God dips into your life and begins to use you in a powerful way. And all of a sudden somebody's life is changed and affected through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've been able to be part of that. You've been able to participate in that. You've been able to be a vessel. And he calls us to be vessels fit for the master's service. And so I believe oftentimes we get about, you know, kind of we meander sometimes when the Lord doesn't want us to meander. He wants to use us. And he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be prayerful. He wants us to be available. He wants us to be seeking his face, saying, Lord God, use me. We have all these lost souls here. We're called to be fishers of men, amen. We're called, in the, we're called to bring in the sheaves, you know. We're called to witness the lost. We're called to preach the gospel to every creature, you know. And our time is short here. And we're supposed to be wise with our time, redeeming the time for the days are evil, the scriptures say. So I'm encouraging you guys, I'm challenging you in the name of the Lord to pray for divine appointments. Pray that God would use you. My son Josiah and I were talking today. And he wants to just go full-time on the mission field eventually. And we're chatting and stuff. And we're talking about divine appointments, you know. And uh, regarding the mission trip, they just all went to, uh, uh, into Texas, which was to strengthen the church, but also to reach the lost, you know. Very much a book of Acts kind of thing, you know. Strengthen the churches and witness to the lost. And we were talking about how amazing it is when God works through divine appointments. And then he says, yeah, that's funny because we pray for him and then boom, things happen. And then we stop praying for him, you know. I said, yeah, that can happen way too often. And because I've known my life, and my life, by the grace of God, uh, has been a series of, I'm almost, obviously I'm in a pastoral role as a pastor and evangelist, and it's been a series of divine appointments. But if I'm not praying in the midst of ministry, you can get on this, this treadmill, you know, where you're just going through the motions. And that's definitely not my heart. So I'm always crying out to the Lord and praying that there would be vibrancy in my ministry. There'd be a passion that I have for the Lord, for his word, for the lost, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, for my family, all my church family as well. And so you want to make sure you never lose your passion. So if you're already in ministry, you have to make sure that you're staying in that your prayer life is, 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 you know, strong and vibrant, you know. And I mean, when I mean vibrant, I mean like, you know, there, it's, it's happening. My, one of my grandsons came in, and I use that word today, and now that I think about it earlier, he caught a blue belly back here. He caught like four different lizards back here in the backyard today, and he brought the blue belly in, and it was like one of the most vibrant blue bellies I'd ever seen. And I was like, wow, that is vibrant. He shook his head, what's vibrant? <laughs> but the Lord wants us to be vibrant for him, amen? He wants us to shine for him. And, and share the good news. So it's important that we pray for divine appointments. And I'm telling you right now, 
You being a witness to somebody, if you feel like, man, how long has it been since you've shared the gospel with somebody? You've shared your faith with somebody, you know? Pray and say, God, use me. Amen? He wants to use us to his glory. And there's examples throughout scripture of divine appointments. And I'll tell you again, we don't do it because it's exciting. It makes your walk exciting. That's a byproduct of it. That's a really cool byproduct of it. We do it because it's obedience and we want to see the lost saved. Amen? But in the midst of being engaged in that, when you share the gospel, when you go witnessing, when you're sharing the gospel, if you make that part of your life, your life just becomes very, very exciting. I mean, how many of you have gone and shared the gospel or have gone on a mission trip and you just get all excited and, and just, just, you know, spiritual fireworks going off in your heart because, you know, you think about how the person responded and how the person's life might be changed. It's such a powerful thing. And it's interesting because we have a series of divine appointments through Scripture. I think of Jesus, right? And I think of him in John chapter 4, and we could just look at his entire life with divine appointments. But in John chapter 4, he talks to the woman at the well, right? She had a divine appointment that day. And Jesus was always about shining his light, you know. And they were talking about water, and she'd go out to the well at, at a time of day when nobody else was out there because she was a, dis, a woman of disrepute. And Jesus talked to her about the living water. And she came to faith in him, amen. And then she went and spread the good news, and many came out to see him. And many people turned to the Lord at that time. I think of Acts chapter 8. That's one of the passages that comes to mind when you think of divine appointments or should come to mind because there you have this Ethiopian eunuch in a totally different part of the world in his chariot. He's a treasure for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And he's sitting in his chariot in the desert and he's reading the Hebrew scriptures. He's reading, I don't know what translation he had. It could have been Isaiah. It was reading Isaiah 53 though. Reading the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, which is all about Jesus, right? And it, it's fascinating because he doesn't really understand what he's reading. But he's wondering if this is, if Isaiah is writing about himself or he's writing about someone else. And it's interesting, if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 8, we read in verse 26 Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, the de- this is a desert place. He's leaving a place of harvest where thing, everything looks like it's going great. And he goes to a desert place. God directs him, Philip. So there's the Ethiopian reading the scripture. God directs Philip to this desert place. Verse 29. I'm jumping to verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, and this, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So I find it interesting that he runs to him, Right? And he's listening to what he's reading. He sees he's reading Isaiah. And he runs to him. This guy was available. This guy was ready. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) This guy's got to be tripping out, right? He's in the middle of the desert in a chariot. And all of a sudden there's this Jewish guy saying, do you understand what you're reading? He invites him up in the chariot. Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep. He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And the eunuch wants to know who he's talking about. And in verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He made use of that divine appointment. Amen? And it's just, the story's great because he ends up uh, putting his trust in the Lord. He ends up getting baptized, uh, you know, coming to faith in Christ. Speaking of baptisms, we have a baptism coming up real soon. 
So make sure you sign up if you haven't signed up yet and you want to be baptized and uh, hopefully you all can make it. We have a great time testifying publicly about the Lord. It's a beautiful celebration. So it's just exciting. And Acts 10, this is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts because it deals with Cornelius and another divine appointment, right? Remember Cornelius was a centurion, two different men. Cornelius, a centurion, the Gentile. You've got the Jew, uh, Peter, uh, not a centurion. Couldn't be, these men couldn't be two, two more, more, you couldn't find two more different men perhaps, but they both have something in common. They're both praying. They're both crying out to God. And God speaks to Peter and he speaks to Cornelius. And he brings the two together in a divine appointment. And I just think it's just heavy, this whole story. We don't have time to go through the whole story because I'm shortening my message here. But we, God brings these two men together and Peter shares the gospel with him. And I mean, this guy, he, an angel comes to Cornelius and speaks to him and tells him to seek Peter of Joppa. He goes and Peter is, has a vision. And while he's trying to understand the vision where this unclean, meat comes down before him and God tells him to kill and eat. Peter's never eaten unkosher food and God says, don't call what Jesus says, don't call what I've called what I've called clean, unclean. And then he understood that it wasn't just the meat that was clean right there. It was also a picture of what God was doing to the Gentiles. And then as he's pondering the meaning of this, six guys come and say, Peter, this guy's here, you know, this centurion. And he goes down and, gets, and, and goes and shares the gospel with him. And as he's sharing the gospel with him, the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius when he comes to faith and he and his family are saved. And then they're also baptized. And, and that's when you get this great statement from Peter. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So that's just awesome. And then we got a great story in Acts 16. Another divine appointment. Remember Paul and Silas are praying in prison? And they're crying out to the Lord in song. And you remember the jailer? Remember God causes this radical earthquake. He opens the prison doors. Out comes Peter. I'm sorry, it goes Paul, Silas, the other prisoners. This guy is ready to kill himself with a sword because you're as punished by death if your prisoners got away on you. I guess uh, the, even the earthquake wouldn't have been a great excuse. And Paul tells him not to harm himself. Sure, he says, how must I be saved? He shares the gospel with him. What's crazy about that is you have a divine appointment. Again, because, you know, Paul had a vision to go to Macedonia. It was called the Macedonian call. And the vision he had, he had a man calling him in a vision to come to Macedonia. Come to Macedonia, right? And Paul went to Macedonia. Okay, the Lord's leading me to Macedonia. But guess what? He goes there and he ends up in a province called Philippi, one of the greatest districts in all of Macedonia. And he ends up in prison. He's thinking, what did the Lord lead me here for? You know? I'm, you know, where's my divine appointments? I mean, I'm here to witness, but I'm in prison. And before you know it, this man and his household is getting saved. God was interested in that prison guard in his household. And God did that in such a way where that story and what God did in that province through that situation uh, changed history. What God did with Cornelius changed history. Who know what happened? There's still a presence of professing Christians to this day in Ethiopia, you know, uh, just it's, it's remarkable when you think about it just because people made themselves available to be used by the Lord just because they were available to partake in divine appointments I want to give you uh, five things to really challenge you today in regard to divine appointments number one 
I want to encourage you to pray for divine appointments. Pray for divine appointments. Uh, Psalm chapter 37 verse 23 says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord will order your steps as you seek him. And he knows how uh, to do, what to do with people in each and every circumstance. And we cry out to him. Jesus said the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And in 2 Chronicles 16.9 it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is com- are completely his. So if your heart belongs to him, his, he wants to support you. He wants to use you to his glory. And like Isaiah who came to the point when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and came to an end of himself, he heard a voice saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I, send me. We just need to have that heart and say, Lord, use me. Use me to your glory. Send me. Help me to be a witness, you know. And keeping keep in mind, you don't have to go to a, another state necessarily. You don't have to go to another country. You don't have to even go to another town. The lost, millions of lost people right here in California, amen? amen. There's lost people we need to be witnessing to. First of all, pray. Say, God, use me. Make that your, a constant prayer. Your Lord, use me to your glory. Put people in my path. Put me in the path of others. Because sometimes we pray that pe- God will put people in our path. But what about God putting us in other people's paths? And sometimes you might end up in the desert. Sometimes you might end up in prison. (laughs) Watch what you pray for, right? But guess what? You'll have the most radical, exciting life you could possibly have if you pray and you cry to be used by God. Amen? Amen. A life that will honor the Lord. So don't just pray, though. Don't just pray. Prepare. Pray for divine appointments and prepare for divine appointments. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, uh, Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. So we should be studying, like Paul told Timothy, to show himself, you know, study to show himself approved. You say, well, that's a pastoral letter to a pastor. But wait a minute. Paul tells Timothy to teach others what God has taught him through Timothy to teach others so they may still teach others. This is discipleship. We're all called to be disciples. Amen? In fact, we also read the NASB translation of that says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So you want to be in the word. You want to make sure that when you have a divine appointment, you're sharing God's word as his ambassador. Amen? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Sanctify or revere Christ as Lord. Always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So, brothers and sisters, we need to always be prepared to give an answer regarding the hope that we have. Amen? So that we need to be prepared. Number three, not only being pre- prepared up, not only being pre- prepped up, prepared, but being perceptive when divine appointments are happening. How many time has, times has God given you an opportunity and you've blown it? I know it's happened to me. How many times you're like, the Holy Spirit's nudging you to witness. And you're like, man, I should have said something, right? So, but if you're prayed up and you're prepped up, right? Your heart's in the right place, you're focused. Then guess what? You'll be perceptive. You'll be perceptive. You know, it's like, I mean, you could be prayed up and prepped up and, you know, can you imagine fishing and you're just looking for this huge fish, man? And then all of a sudden, you've got, you've been all prepared, you've been, you know, you've got the ability and all of a sudden this thing is swimming right below you, hungry as can be, and you just watch it and don't do anything about it for an hour. Then you leave and you're like, what in the world did I do that for? 
you know, we need to seize the moment, you know, we need to jump on the opportunity. And there's times where we have these divine appointments and we don't recognize them. We don't perceive them. It could be just God working our life. Hebrews chapter 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show part hospitality to strangers. Why? Well, first of all, because he wants to show hospitality to strangers. But he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine getting to heaven and it's like, wow, you really blew it. You weren't only nice to that. You really didn't only neglect that person, but that was an angel. <laughs> Luke 19.44, when Jesus came and he was rejected by his own people, it says, and they will level you, says Jesus, to the ground. They're talking about the judgment that would take place in 70 AD. And your children within you. And they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. We can, many people miss what the Lord's doing. That's on a grand level, obviously. That's missing the first coming of Messiah. It's a picture of what's going to happen for many at the second coming too, sadly. But we can miss opportunities to minister one to another to ministering to people that are all around us that need the love of God. I'm talking about saved people as well, brothers and sisters in Christ. When there's needs, needs of encouragement, needs of friendship, needs of love, needs of a gesture, needs of a, just a cold glass of water, just an expression of, 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 of love. Or we can just neglect somebody when the Lord puts them in our, in, in our front of us and, he, and he's answering our prayer. We prayed that prayer, you know? But, and he's trying to speak to our hearts, but sometimes we could be like Martha who was encumbered about all kinds of things, right? Wanting to serve, but not hearing the voice of the Lord and missing out on the greater need. So we have to be really, really careful that we're sensitive to the things of the Lord and we're crying out to be used by Him. So we're prayed up, we're reading the Scripture, we know what the Word of God says, we know what the Gospel is, but then we also perceived, we also perceive the need. And to me, that's awesome because, guess what? Philip, you know, he was definitely prayed up. He was prepped he knew to share the gospel and what Isaiah 53 was about, amen. But he also was perceptive because we read in chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit of the Lord told Philip to go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He was perceptive. He listened. And sometimes we can get up, caught up in all of our own lives, right? Just doing our own thing and, and just trying to pay the bills and everything else. And we're not perceptive to what other people are going through. And he could have just said, hey, buddy, you want to hear, can I talk to you? You know, he could, but he, his perceptive, where's this guy at? You know, and, you're, and it's wise as a Christian, whether you're at work, to see where people are at. To see, you know, when the, Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he talked about water, right? He talked about giving her living water, amen? When Philip was up aside, I mean, he had an open heart, for sure, to what the Lord had him to do. He made himself available. He went to the desert, he had open eyes, he saw the chariot, and he had open ears, and he listened, and he heard him reading the scriptures, so he knew how to respond to him. So it's about being perceptive as well. So be prayed up, be prepped up, be perceptive, and, all, and also recognize, number four, recognize that God has already positioned people in your path. God has already positioned people in your path so you don't have to just wait around praying for divine appointment wait for something supernatural to happen god has already through his providence his providentially positioned people since i'm sticking with the p's i guess his providentially positioned people in your path listen to acts chapter 17 verses 26 and 27 and he made from one man every nation of mankind 
to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Everybody on earth, he's positioned their appointed times and the boundaries of where they would live, that they should what? That they should seek God. That they should seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that awesome? So he's put everybody everywhere at the right time so they'd be in a position to hear the gospel. Now they may harden their hearts and reject it, but he's giving them opportunity by his grace. Number five. Now simply, number five, preach the good news. Preach the gospel. It's simple. With the gospel, Jesus died for your sins. Said Philip preached the good news to him. Right? Paul preached the good news to the jailer. Philip preached the good news to the Ethiopian eunuch. Peter preached the gospel to the centurion. And the gospel is very, very simple. Each of us could understand it. That's We got saved through receiving. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. Amen. And we're saved by grace, God's amazing grace, in sending his son to die for our sins through faith in him, trusting what he did for us on the cross. Amen. It's beautiful. And it's interesting because the Bible says, Thou was the day of your salvation. And we're just called to preach, man. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. When? Amen. Be prepared in season and out of season. I mean, always be ready to preach the good news. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, it's more important to the Lord God that you have availability than simply ability, okay? A lot of people feel, I just don't have the ability to share the gospel. If you have a mouth, okay, and a heart for God, and you know the gospel, which you get saved, you know the gospel when you get saved. In fact, the woman at the well, did she go to seminary for years before she went and shared the gospel? No, Jesus shared the good news with her. She put faith in Christ, then she went to the town. Before he got out of there, she sent people there and then other people got saved. You know, the enemy wants us to think that we have to spend years in study before we can present the gospel. Yeah, you want to be prepped up. You want to be prayed up. All that's true because you can grow in your ability. Amen. But he wants availability even more than ability because he doesn't even want your human ability. You know that, right? When Moses says, you know, I can't speak. Well, good. God says, God is basically saying, great, because I could use your mouth then. You won't get in my way. Amen. God wants to use us. And he wants us to have availability. There's plenty of people that think they have ability but don't share with anyone. Just simply be available. Paul says it's required of a servant that he is faithful. Amen? He, that's what he requires. He wants to be faithful. He wants you to make yourself available. And I want to challenge you in love and in Christ as my brothers and sisters pray that God, you know, God would encourage you, that God would give divine appointments, but also recognize the divine appointments are already there as he's put people everywhere for us to share with. Amen? And just, say, and just make yourself available because God can give you ability by his spirit. Amen? By the power of his spirit. It's his ability through you. He makes us able by his spirit. But only you can make yourself available. God is not going to force you to speak. You have to choose to be available. Amen? So I encourage you to make the choice and say, Lord, help me have a heart to be available and to be used to your glory. And by the way, divine appointments come in many shapes and sizes. It comes to setting up Wednesday nights, 
to tearing down Wesley Nights. It comes to helping people out that uh, don't have transportation. It comes to uh, encouraging people and blessing people and being there for people. Amen? And we all need to do it. You can't, God doesn't want us to leave everything up to one or two or three or ten people. Amen? He wants us to use all of, all of us to be using the gifts that God has given us to his glory. So I have a number of personal divine appointments that I could share with you that I, I'm excited about. But I would... But I'm excited. I want to do this particular message this week because the brothers, some of the brothers and sisters went up to Texas and they had a series of wonderful divine appointments I want them to share with you this evening. And that's why I did the message this way because I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a message on divine appointments because we were praying ahead of time for divine appointments when they went up there. Uh, some people, like the team for the most part was fasting that God would use them. And then they went up there and some really cool things happened. I said, hey, would you guys share that with us on a Wednesday night with the group? Some of these, these things that the Lord had done up there because I think you'll be encouraged. Amen. Do you want to be blessed for a little bit? All right. So I've gone about, I don't know, half hour or so, uh, 25 minutes to half an hour after I finally got going. So let's, uh, Chad and Holly, can you come up first? It's exciting what the Lord's doing. He is good, amen. All righty. Hey, honey. Love you, bro. There's a mic right there. She knows not to preach. <laughs> Just a short sermon. No, um, I really can't see any of you guys. Um, I can't hear you. Oh, apparently I need to get closer. We good? Yeah? Okay. So um, a group of about 18 of us went out to our Texas live stream church um, for nine days total. We road tripped out there. And uh, the Texas live stream church kind of came. We have, we have six churches now out in Texas. And um, it kind of came out of them not having a good home church where they are in good fellowship and uh, them seeing what we have here and wanting to kind of recreate that or be part of that and part of biblical fellowship. So we took a group of people, there were 18 of us, and I think Chad and I were the oldest. Everybody else was in their 20s or younger. And um, they probably thought, like, what is the Lord doing sending us a bunch of kids, you know? But, um, but we went out there and the Lord put divine appointment after divine appointment. And... Um, it started off, we try to witness to somebody every time we go out to eat. It doesn't always happen, but we try. So um, we stopped in Tucson for dinner, and at our table I was the only girl, and we had a woman waitress, so I just opened up the conversation talking to her. Um, and she asked me, when I asked her about where she goes to church, and she said how her church was shut down, and that she hasn't really been into it anyway lately, and she's like, but everybody's saying this is the end times. What do you think about that? Are we going to face God? And we got to have a really good conversation about how even if the end times aren't right now, like you don't know when your end is going to be. So you're going to be right with God. And it was a really cool conversation. Nate got to have a really cool conversation with his, um, his waiter. Nico got to have a conversation with the steward or the hostess um, there. And um, it was really cool. We had just divine appointments at each one. And then um, we got to Texas and everybody had been fasting and praying. And, and uh, 
we went out witnessing, sharing the gospel in the streets to just invite people to church. And that's what how we want the church to grow from people that, you know, are hungry for the Lord and on the street and don't have a church and want to find a church to go to. So uh, we went out on the street and um, they'll tell you a lot of stories, but I'll just tell you one. Um, Erica, the wife of the house where uh, James's wife, the house where we were all staying, they were amazing by the way, and we had such a great time, but um, she had Eli with her, and Eli went up to this lady and handed her a track and walked away, and the lady opened it up, and she started reading it and thought, I agree with all of this stuff. I believe this stuff that is in here, and she went and found Erica, and she asked her, like, hey, this is amazing that you're having him hand these out. I believe this stuff, and I agree with it. She's like, and I think this is a divine appointment. God sent you to me because I needed to see this today, and Erica was like, yes, and she said she had just moved there, um, from I think from Wisconsin, she had just moved there. She had no friends. She homeschools. Erica homeschools. Her husband was in the Navy or is in the Navy. That's why she's there. Erica's husband was in the Navy. She's like, God sent you to me, and Erica's like, Well, come this weekend. So she came with her husband and her family, and Lord willing, we'll pray that they keep coming. But completely a divine appointment. Completely crazy, right? And um, we were watching this happen, and you'll hear the stories. We we're watching this happen over and over again, you guys. And like, this is crazy that we just are walking up to people on the streets, asking them to come, and then they're coming to church. And I thought about it, and I thought, wow, we have that here. We have the church that everybody wishes they had, and we take it for granted half the time. We don't invite people to church on our daily day-to-day. We don't go out and say, hey, we have the blood of Jesus that saves us, and we have this awesome fellowship and brothers and sisters to encourage us. And we don't invite people to it. We just, we're shy or we're embarrassed or don't have time or don't even think about it. And what if we're going to, as a group, we're all going to start trying to invite one person to church every week and be praying about it for each other and praying about the people we invite and praying for divine appointments in that way? And what if we all did that as a church? What if each of you, each of your families, sought out one person to invite each week to church? Because we have living water And we should be reaching out to other people. And we went out just one week covered in prayer. And God did miracles on top of miracles to the point where it almost felt heavy. Like I was completely overwhelmed. I've been on a lot of mission trips, but I was completely overwhelmed by what God was doing and just seeing his hand so clearly. So if we could all do that, it would be it would be transforming to our city, I think. So that was our divine appointment. (laughs) Praise the Lord. She was getting a little preachy there. So I had to. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, she did a great job. No, uh, praise God. And, and, and guys, I know uh, back home we had a ton of people praying, and I received a ton of text messages from you guys, and I was really blessed, and, and comments on uh, Blessed Hope Chapel's Instagram page and Facebook pages. We were trying to keep you guys as updated as possible, and I know Holly didn't go over the entire thing, but the basic backdrop of our entire event going out there was the Blessed Hope Chapel outreach, that we were going to be outreaching to Texas and that we were also going to be teaching on evangelism. Now, we come to a church in Blessed Hope Chapel where we have a pastor who is an evangelist as well, and that's actually exactly what the Scripture says, say that the pastor should do the work of an evangelist. He already has the job of shepherding, but he also has to do that job as well. But I do believe that part of that shepherding is showing your fellowship how to share the gospel. So we spent, we actually made it a, a three-day conference because we actually had Nathan Jones share his testimony, and a lot of the guys that are here heard his testimony on the men's retreat, and it was an absolute blessing. I'm sure you guys have heard that. And I, I'm not going to do, and I and I understand how, how Joe ends up doing this too. Somebody tells you a story, you get so excited, and then you tell the story, and then have them come up and tell it. So I won't do that. But 
I will give you guys a little more of the insight from my point of view when it came to some of these divine appointments that took place. Not only people from Texas, from all those groups coming and visiting, some of which literally took their vacation and drove eight hours from El Paso just to spend the weekend with us in order to hear hear the teachings and go out sharing the gospel and whatnot. So we were really blessed. But there were a couple of things that, that took place specifically on the streets when sharing the gospel. And I do believe a lot of it had to do with what you guys were praying for us back home. And also from the fasting we were doing, we fasted as a group, The not the day before, but two days before, I believe, we actually left. And we said, guys, let's just... just pour out our heart to the Lord and say, Lord, let's uh, let's put some turbocharger on our prayer and let's make sure we're praying that God's going to bring people to us. And as she already mentioned, one family, I know um, I want to give a little bit of the background from my end so you guys can hear some of it. And then I'm going to let Travis come up and kind of say how he ended up talking to this young man. But we met, I got to meet a brother named Angelo who had come who came not only to the Saturday night service but actually ended up staying the night with us to wake up and go to church with us and it was somebody who had literally told me the next day and uh, like I said I'll let Travis tell a lot of this that he was praying about something and basically asking God something and next thing you know he has three guys coming up to him to talk about Jesus and Literally that night, uh, coming and well, coming to the event actually on Saturday, they had witnessed to him, I believe, on Thursday or Friday night. And we had prayed a specific prayer. And Trent's not here, but I'll give him uh, the kudos because he's the one who prayed it. And it's something that in the discipleship that I like to do, some of the things Holly and I always talk about is praying that the people you share the gospel with, that it, it's a burden on their heart, it's a rock in their shoe, and that they can't sleep. And when Travis and Nate and Nico started talking about Angelo later that night before we went to bed, we ended up praying. And the thing that Trent specifically prayed was that Angelo would have a tough night sleeping. And the, the night of the event on Saturday, Travis taught and I taught after. Nico taught on Friday and I taught after as well. And I spoke about not being unequally yoked. And that if you're going to be sharing the gospel, you need to do as David did and have the joy of salvation brought back on at the point of repentance. And he came up to me, Angelo, the next morning before church service started, after he had come to the event, after being evangelized by the three men uh, out there. And he had told me that he was staying the night at his girlfriend's house and that he couldn't sleep all night, could not sleep. And he said that he finally said, forget this, I'm just going to go home. And then he had a radical dream and he said he was not going to come, but that was the thing that made him come. And I, I literally had Trent walking by while we were talking about this the, that morning. And I said, Trent, tell him what you prayed so that he knows I'm not just, you know, making this up, you know. And he told him that he was praying that he couldn't sleep. So it was a blessing. But I'm going to have Travis come up and kind of just tell that story of how that whole thing. Oh, you came up to my side. Very nice. How that whole thing, uh, how that whole endeavor took place. Praise the Lord. And Travis taught, by the way, and did a great job. You guys can see it on Good Fight Ministries and Blessed Hope's Facebook page. Cool. <laughs> All right, praise God. Can you guys hear me a little bit? Hear me now? All right, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, as Chad was telling that story, I was kind of just getting the chills. Um, going back to it on Thursday, we went to this area called Pearl in San Antonio. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it's just this awesome courtyard with coffee, and it looks like, like a library maybe or something. And it's just an awesome place, and it was a perfect place to go evangelizing. And uh, Nate and I and Nico were walking around, trying to engage people, had a lot of awesome conversations, 
and uh, we randomly saw this kid, young guy, sitting down at a table by the coffee shop we were going to, and Nate just walks up, and a lot of you know what the track looks like that we pass out. It just says right on the front, are you on the road to heaven? And that question, um, more times than not, stops people in their track. Even if they're not interested in talking, the minute they see that question, we just ask, hey, can you, can you answer this? And usually just, they just can't even think of anything to say. It's, it's wild, and it happened over and over and over again. And anyways, we, we uh, present it to Angelo, and he looks at us, and he just has this huge smile on his face. And we're like, it, you know, yes or no <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, give us something. And uh, he just kind of starts talking and, you know, saying, you know, he has questions, this and that. So Nate and I sit down, end up talking to this kid um, for over an hour, I'd say, probably about an hour and a half. And uh, he just has question after question about the Bible, about this and uh, about his salvation. You know, if he died while he's struggling, will he still be saved? And a lot of this stuff. And, and you know, every, I, everyone says it when they're witnessing, but it is the most incredible thing. As you're talking to somebody, the scripture just starts pouring out of your mouth, right? It is just the most, even scripture that you didn't even know you memorized, it just starts flying out, you know? And that was our main goal when we would talk to people. Um, it's to always bring it back to the gospel, bring it back to scripture. I would tell people, like, my opinion does not matter on anything. You know, we can get into apologetics, we can get into this, that, and the other. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm just going to keep hitting them with the word because that's the seed, right? That's what changes them. And um, long story short, I give him my number. I tell him about the conference. And he seems super pumped about it. Oh, and the other thing, right? He has this huge smile. He pulls out his wallet and his middle name is actually I-S-M-I-L-E. I smile. I don't think that's how you like say it, but it's just wild. It's crazy. Just an awesome, great kid. Um, so yeah, he ends up coming Saturday night and uh, we're just so pumped to see him. So pumped. He just got along with everybody, got along with all the guys. He uh, stays afterwards all night pretty much and we're talking to him for hours and he just said, you know what? The day before, so Wednesday, I was at Chipotle, and I'm just sitting there with my burrito. I just had a huge tragedy happen. He had a major death in the family. He was feeling himself um, leaving the faith, and he just said, he prayed over his burrito at Chipotle. He said, Lord, if, or God, if you're real, um, put someone in my path. Prove it. And the next day, <laughs> it was uh, Nate and I sitting at his table, and uh you know, like everyone said so far, if you pray for divine appointments and you are sincere and you are just, uh, oh, I'm sorry, and uh, you are just sincere about it and excited about it and have a pure heart as you uh, approach it, the Lord's going to provide those things. And there were so many different stories. Um, and to this day, I mean, Angelo texted us this morning in a group chat, just scripture and just how excited he is about the Lord. And a lot of the stuff he's going through, you know, coming back to the faith, he's in a, a relationship with an unbeliever. And just about everything he's going through is what I went through when I came to the Lord. So I'm just telling him my testimony and uh, we're just going to keep encouraging him, keep, you know, um, reaching out to him, trying to get him into the fellowship and just keep praying for him. Uh, so, yeah, that's the story. And, uh, yeah, I'm sticking to it. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Good job, Praise God. Yeah, and, and it's cool hearing Travis say it because that's literally what Angelo told me, the same thing. He was praying that if Jesus was real, it reveal himself. And he's like, and three evangelists come to me the next day? What is this? You know, So praise God. And 
like I said, it, it was cool because I do believe because all of our hearts were, were bent on the same thing, and that was seeing divine appointments. And if you guys didn't know, some of the team that went out there, it was more than just, hey, here's a bunch of guys, we're going to hand out tracks. And if you guys don't know, the Are You are you On The Road To Heaven, that track was written by Pastor Joe, and it's an excellent track that not only takes people through Romans Road, but it continues Romans Road in telling people to continue in the faith. Don't just say a prayer and run the other way. So it's, it's very serious, and it's a great great track and so it does start you on a great path and if you maybe are saying hey I'd love to have something compartmentalized that I can just put together for the gospel it's a perfect way to be able to to read and be able to explain it if you ever have a tough time explaining it and so it was it's been it's been an awesome tool and just wanted to point out to the uh, with the group we we had a, a ton of people there like I, like she said the 18 and we also had we had that included five young kids uh, Savannah and Chris actually brought little Leo and he was a little, you know, handing out, uh, tracks and stuff. And I know that meant a lot for Chris and Chris was cooking up a storm. And if you guys have ever been on a mission trip, you know, you usually have, uh, people helping out and cooking the whole time. But Chris was doing double duty with us, with his wife and with Travis and with everyone else cooking and then also sharing the gospel. And it was really, really awesome. And Emmy Paneri also was there helping watch the kids. My poor wife, she, uh, get stuck not sharing the gospel a lot of times, end up watching the kids and lets me speak. But, you know, she likes to share a lot. That's where I fell in love with her was watching her share the gospel. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, you know, we, we love to do as a couple. It's our favorite thing. But sometimes, you know, there's time and in place. And so it was really awesome to be able to have that. Josh was with us. And what's cool is I, I was going to be posting the highlight video that he made from the trip uh, earlier this week, but when Joe said, hey, why don't you share these stories? Because I really think it'd be a benefit for the body of Christ, for our church uh, to realize exactly where, you know, all those prayers are going and how they're being met. Uh, I was like, oh, cool. We'll be able to share that. And then tomorrow it'll be uploaded to Blessed Hope Chapel's uh, Facebook page. You guys can check that out. But Another story that was, I thought this one was really wild, and the young lady, she actually came to Nate's testimony as well, and then she also came later on Saturday night, and she missed the Friday night, and I thought her story was just crazy, and I'll let Nico tell the first part, but the part that I was told was she had a, a co-worker that showed up on Saturday night with her to our event after coming on the Thursday to hear Nate's testimony after being on the streets when Nico and Travis had went up to her to share the gospel. And the her co-worker is a believer that the Jacksons knew and had no idea was showing up to their house. But that co-worker was on her knees in tears praying that somebody would reach her friend. And the next thing you know, guess who shows up? Nico and Travis to share the gospel with her. So I don't want to ruin too much of that story, so I'm going to let Nico come up and tell a little bit about that as well. So, Nico, praise the Lord. (laughs) Can you guys hear me? All right, praise the Lord. Uh, First thing, I just wanted to share just because of the topic. I mean, if if there's really any other topic that truly when incorporating it radically changed my life, it is... It is sharing your faith, praying for um, incorporating evangelism, and praying for divine appointments. And so it's a blessing. It truly is to have a pastor that really stresses these things and um, really wants to, you know, shed light on them and, and the importance of them. And, and it really is and has been being alongside Chad and being discipled by him, learning these things, and then seeing just how the Lord was able to transform my faith. And so 
we saw it. I mean, we just saw his work this last week and it was a blessing. And so it's a blessing to be able to share about Bianca. So we're in Texas. It's one of these days and I'm, I'm down with Travis and we're making our way down San Antonio and we're down by the river rock. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's beautiful. And we're making our way down and then just passing out tracks, trying to have some conversations. And I see Travis stops, uh, with this, with this girl and he stops talking and I'm over, I'm, I'm about to finish up a conversation and then I make my way over to Travis and we're, we're just talking and, and she begins explaining her testimony. Her name's Bianca. And so we just meet this, this lovely young lady and we're just sharing with her, talking to her and she begins opening up. She begins sharing um, her testimony with us and what she was explaining was how she was been dealing with same-sex attraction. And how it has been so heavy on her and how she was so frustrated with God that it really just pushed her out of the church. And how she was so closed off with, with women, all the women in her life. And so it was a, a sense of comfort almost being able to talk to Travis and I. And just how the Lord put two guys I mean, in that situation to be able to talk to her and see her and be able to see her open up to us and share with, with us her, her same-sex attraction and that struggle that she's had. And we just went on to this long conversation where Travis is sharing his heart. I'm being able to share my heart with her. And it's just this testimony that just blows me away. I mean, all the things that she's saying, the, the battle that she's gone in the church and how she knew, even though she'd fell from the church, she knew what she was doing was wrong. She stayed, she stood firm on her convictions. She didn't feel comfortable to step back in the church. She didn't feel comfortable to, to pray to God because she knew uh, it was wrong in her heart, the stuff that she was doing. And what was even more radical was there was people in the church body, people of higher positions, elders, telling her that what she was doing was okay and trying to support it with this whole movement of the same-sex attraction. Her girlfriend, I believe, or, or, a, or a woman, they were inviting her, hey, come with your woman, like this is okay. And she still, after that, knew that that was wrong and, and stood against it. And I was just, I, we were just absolutely absolutely blown away and I remember we 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 had finished talking with her pleading with her Bianca please come to this event anything just please come to this event and so Travis and I and and our group we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for this for this lady to come and um lo and behold she that that first that first day of the conference that Thursday she came and it was so encouraging let alone her coming because closing off to other women and stuff and dealing with this, she was a very lonely uh, woman, very closed off, had a lot of anxiety. And so when we're praying for people to come into the church, like we're praying, Lord, Lord, don't let the enemy keep anything away from getting this person here, car accident, car breaking down, anything like that. And yet she had all of the major anxiety battling with these things. And yet she built up the confidence to walk through that door and join us that night. And we were just we were blown, we were blown away. And so we just had a great, yeah, we had a great time with her. And, um, so yeah, we, she, she had left and then we prayed for her to come that next day. And I don't know how much of that next day and that conversation with Erica that I could share, Yeah. but, um, okay, this is, this was just, I, I'd love to share this. So we prayed, she came that next day and we were so happy, but then Erica comes up to me and she has like, Erica is, is the, um, the host, James's wife. And she had tears in her eyes and she had Mary by her side. And she, this, this, this other lady named Mary, and she came up to me and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, Nico, you have to hear this. You have to hear this. And no one saw this. Um, 
But thankfully, I'll explain why, but because I was just so moved. And I'm sitting there hearing from Erica that this is, this is Mary. She used to go to my church back at the church that we went to before we, like, she didn't just go to our church. She was a part of our home groups, our fellowship. She looked after my kids. And we built a relationship with her, and, and we thought we'd never see her again leaving the church. And um, she's like, the reason why she's here, and so I'm just blown away. Why is this, why is this girl here? She's telling us, and, and Mary begins to tell her, me why she's here, and she starts crying, and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, she's like, I was sharing, Bianca's my friend. Bianca invited me. That's why I'm here. And, and, and I, was, I was just on the phone with Bianca. I was just talking with her and, and pleading with her, Bianca, you have to, like, please accept Jesus Christ. And Bianca wouldn't, and she wouldn't, and she had such a hard heart. And she left the phone on bad terms, I believe, with Bianca that night. The next, that night, she fell on her knees and prayed and cried out to the Lord, Lord, put people in Bianca's life. Evangelist, I think she said, allow people to come across Bianca's life and touch her. The next day, I believe, it was the next day it was when Travis and I came across Bianca and met her. And she's weeping. And I'm like, I'm trying to hold it in. I'm like, I can't help but cry just because I'm, I'm experiencing firsthand a prayer being answered and me being able to be a part of that. And I was just blown away. And I, I mean, that's the, that's the Lord. And so I... I <laughs> Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> praise God. No, um and and those stories are really cool, you know, because it is that 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 tangible thing that you're like you're literally seeing it. And you know, it was really cool. We brought uh, Johnny Aguilar flew out with us as well and I'm seeing everyone witness the next thing I know I see Johnny sitting at a table with somebody just sharing the gospel even though I know he said before, "Ah, it's not really my thing." And the next thing you know, it looks like your thing now, bro, you know. Uh so it was pretty awesome. You know, and Josiah was all over the place, you know, sharing the gospel. And it was it was really, really a, a blessing to see. And there was one there was one guy specifically who has started now to go to Blessed Hope there in San Antonio. And his name's uh, Giovanni. And he started sharing the gospel with a young lady. And right after that, uh, I had walked up as well. And we were kind of just going back and forth kind of uh, tag teaming, you know, with a little bit of gospel sharing. And this lady seems, this girl just seems so open. She had gone to the Catholic church. She was Catholic church hurt. Uh, I guess that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but uh, but she was just, you know, explaining her testimony. And then, or not her testimony necessarily, but why she wasn't really a believer. And we were asking her different questions. And Giovanni asked a very good question to her after, you know, explaining the gospel to her. But why would you want to become a Christian and you get a lot of different answers, you know, so my mom would be happy, you know, this, that, the other. And she just said, because I want to know God. And she actually came as well. And, you know, we were talking about the book of Acts. And you think in the book of Acts, a lot of times they go and preach and they share the gospel. He would also tell them, you, you and your household. Like, not, not just you, you, you and your household. Go and preach this to your household. And it was really cool because that young lady, uh, I had a picture that I sent because I told Eli because he was losing the track race to Justice. Justice was handing out more tracks than him. And I said, okay, you get a big thing of ice cream too if you go over to James and you and James and and that young lady, because uh, James you know, probably doesn't know if she wants to re- uh, pray to receive Christ. And so Eli went up and asked, do you want to receive the Lord? And uh, Eli and James and her prayed, and then she brought her sister as well. 
not only on Saturday night, but then again on Sunday morning for church and for fellowship to be together, take communion as we all took it together. And so there were a number of things like that. They were just beyond a blessing to us. Uh, people writing in and, and saying things, people visiting, people that just came just to talk for a little bit. I had a, uh, one guy, he's like, hey, I've been a big fan of Good Fight and the series you guys have been doing on uh, Satan's sex scheme. He's like, I've been watching every one of them. They're just amazing and seeing you know, them out, out. And he recognized Nico that we had him out there asking questions about pornography with people and then sharing the gospel with them. And it's been such a blessing. And I wanted to say, you know, not only us going out there, this live stream, people watching this every weekend, these are people that I've gotten to know online now for over a year, talking with them, uh, even messaging me privately at all, also as well, just to pray about certain things, to talk about certain things, and then to be able to take a, a group of people who have been discipled in this church, all of these guys been discipled in this church by Pastor Joe, by Pastor Steve, by guys like Nick and, and John and Jonathan Ball. And it's it's amazing to see their heart is also the pulse of our church, which is a church that is evangelistic, a church that cares about getting out the gospel to this lost and dying world. And what they got to see over and over again, just beyond compare, was the love we had as a group and the unity that we shared. And you can ask any of those guys, we were fasting about that specifically, that they would see our love for one another and say, I want that. And so we met a ton of the families. And I don't know, I was going to pull Joe up here, um, you know, because not only the track he wrote, but just the example he's led. And all these groups, like some guy literally put in his washer and dryer in 2005, and he found out Good Fight Ministries, Blessed Hope Chapel is coming out to Texas. Even if Joe's not going to be there, I'm going to be there. And took his vacation three days just to be a part of it and was there the whole time. And he was an absolute blessing. But praise the Lord, bro. I just want to say thank you. God is good, man. Praise the Lord. Let's give thanks for what these guys have done in the Lord and these gals. He is good. Amen. You know, I want to encourage you guys. You know, it's when I first met Chad, he came up to me. He had seen the video. They sold their souls for rock and roll. And uh, Adam, actually, one of my other son, my other (laughs) son-in-law gave it to him and he saw it. And uh, I use that scripture. He that's not with me is against me at the end. And Chad was a brawler, a drunkard, all that. And uh, he saw that video, and then he fell on his face and turned to Christ. He was an atheist, gave his life to Jesus. He goes, then he found out, wow, the guy that did this video is right here in town. He ends up part of Blessed Hope Chapel. Didn't know he was going to ma- marry my wife. I just saw him in the audience a few times. And uh, by my girlfriend, my, <laughs> his girlfriend was to become his wife, who happened to be my daughter. Let's get this straight. <laughs> I, I'm looking at my time thing. I got, got to squeeze this in like three minutes. But anyway, uh, quick story is... I think there's the first time I actually talked to you. When I, first time I talked to him, and I don't usually do this first time I see somebody at Blessed Hope, but I just saw something in Chad, and praise the Lord, it was the Lord. And I challenged him to go witnessing with us and sharing the gospel on the streets. And he took like a, like a fish to water, you know. We got out there, and, and I guess that's where he fell in love with, with uh, Holly because he saw us sharing the gospel. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And I was excited about seeing that Chad, he had a zeal, and he, I could see he wanted to do the will of the Lord. He wanted to be sold out for Jesus, and he was. And when he went out there, he just went for it. And then I was so grateful that his heart took toward evangelism because I've raised my children. I've encouraged the brothers and sisters here to 
That's what we're here for. I tell you, we're only here for a few reasons, right? We get saved. Lord could just rapture us right away if he wasn't, didn't have a purpose for us, but he wants us to become more like him, amen? He wants us to transfer, and he also wants to use us to witness the lost and wants us to glorify him, be ambassadors. But uh, sometimes it's hard because you, it's like, man, but it's, to get out there and actually share with people, it's, it seems intimidating. You know what? Sometimes on a one-on-one basis, when you just see somebody somewhere, it can be kind of difficult. Maybe you're on the plane sitting next to somebody. And even the apostle Paul, he asked those he communicates with through his letters to pray for him that God would give him boldness, the ability to speak the gospel with boldness. Amen. That's important because that's Paul. You think of Paul as being so bold, but he had to rely on the Lord for his boldness. And there's something about getting, going on a mission trip with other brothers and sisters, even if it's a more of a local one. And this, this, they didn't have to go around the world. They have excitement. We have excitement when we just show the gospel through the week or you show the gospel more locally, right, you know, in this town or neighboring town, Hollywood, not too far from us. But I'm encouraging you, don't let it be intimidating. It, it seems bigger than it is. When you go out and do it, it becomes infectious. You start to look forward to it. You start to say, wow, this isn't as hard as I thought it would be. You know, we try to have, when we, go on a, when we do a mission trip, if it's longer than a week or so, we try to have a day, or at least a half a day off, where we have some kind of event where people can relax, they could just have a good time. Try to do that a couple times if you can, barbecue or whatever. And uh, they had a hunt, James uh, Jackson, praise God, James, for your home group. Hopefully uh, it's growing and God's doing marvelous things. But uh, James set up a hunting trip for the group, and they were going to be hunting pigs. Now, if you've been, I've been pig hunting a few times. And they went hunting, and then all these guys, a lot of these people never hunted. And they're given these guns, one gun for two, every two people. And it's a long story, but they all went out, and it's like, it was almost like the trip from hell, though. That was the one thing that didn't seem like a divine appointment <laughs> there, you know. But Josiah said that him and Johnny were out, and they had one gun between them. And they went, and there was supposed to be a feeder there dropping food. And then they're supposed to be able to watch the pigs at a certain, you know, it's like, I think it was a, like one in the morning or something when they're at this pig trough and they're nocturnal animals and this, these, the pig never showed up. And they're like, man, it's 200 yards away and they've got to make that shot. And there's just a little bit of light and they're not seeing anything. And it was after a bunch of other stuff that went down that was just ridiculous. And then all of a sudden they heard the pig and they're like, it's a loud, big one. And they were intimidated, they said. Josiah said, Dad, because we watch videos of how these things will gore you if you get too close to them. So they literally went to the pig feeding area and they saw a bunch of thickets and bushes and trees and they heard there was just a small circular area and the pig was in there. And it was huge by the noise. So they were like, it's a long story. He told me the story for about an hour and a half. So I'm gonna try to button up in two minutes. He goes, finally, they like, they went in there and it stopped and they didn't know how it got out because they looked in there and it was gone. And they're like, it just vanished. And then all of a sudden they, they go out and it outsmarted them because then they heard it back in there again. And then they said, Jonathan, Johnny, and Johnny's like, you know, it's going to be a cop hopefully and everything else. And, and he's got the gun and Joseph's eye and him. He's like, we're going to go in there and shoot it, but you got to shoot it before it gores us. So they go in there real quick. Josiah's got the flashlight. Johnny's got the, and there, there it is right there, man, coming right there. They see it. It's about this big because it's a mouse. Okay. No kidding. It was a mouse the whole time. And that's the deal. Sometimes we think we're going to get gored if we go out and we take the challenge. It's just too much. But guess what? You just go and do the work of the Lord. And if God is with you, who could be against you? Right? We've, it's, it's, it's a mouse. Go and be a witness. Amen? 
Don't hold back. Be an ambassador. Pray for divine appointments and then you'll get all excited, amen, because you'll see the Lord working. And more, more important, you'll bear fruit under the Lord's glory, amen. Father God, we thank you so much for all the testimonies that were given this evening. And uh, we just love you, Father. There's so many young people that you're just working and using in this fellowship that didn't go on the trip even, Father, that just have an excitement for you. Uh, just what you're doing in our, in our youth and among our adults is a beautiful thing, Lord. We pray that you continue the good work that you've begun in us, Lord. We pray, Father, that we make our lives count in this world. And we pray, Father, that we'd realize that we're just a prayer away, that we just simply have to say, here am I, Lord, send me so we can be more fruitful.